You are now about to enter. Now, now, now about to enter. Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Entered. Entered. Now. Featuring world-renowned dog trainer and host of Animal Planets, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stillwell. Now, here's Victoria Stillwell and her co-host, Holly Furfer. Welcome to another episode of Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer, and Victoria's in town. She's back in Atlanta from New York City. Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. I do miss Atlanta when I'm in New York, and then I miss New York when I'm in Atlanta. So, hey, i got to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> and I know you're tired. You've been just, I mean, your schedule has been brutal. It is. When we're filming, it is. It's 12-hour days. It's um, every day, and we go and go and go and go and go, and then we have maybe a week off for everybody to have a little bit of downtime but it it is a lot but we enjoy it mm-hmm. and you know I have a great crew and we've had some fantastic families amazing situations so I think I'm really excited about this third season because I think it's 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 going to be a little bit more of the same but but even better. We're talking the third season of It's Me or the Dog and um why did you guys pick New York City? I mean you've done LA, you've done Atlanta, I guess something on the East Coast or... A lot of my work was in New York City anyway, but um, it's a different vibe. Yeah. I mean, if for people who haven't been there, New York City is such a unique place mm-hmm. and it is unique in the way that dogs have to be... There's even more pressure on dogs being well-behaved because yeah. everybody's living on top of each other. Yeah. There, There is no space. And so um, everyone has a dog, practically. So, really? I wouldn't... Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, and and, and they do. There are so many dogs there, which is the reason why I was so busy when I was working there Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Um, But it's it's great to be back there. It's great to get into the whole vibe of it. And, of course, there's personalities. Yeah. You know, we're not just in New York. We're we're in New Jersey, too. We're on uh, Long Island. We're in Staten Island. And... um, you know, and we're, we're we're changing it up on this, these episodes, which is what I love, and we're, we're doing some really different things. And uh, your Twitter is uh, at it's me or the dog, so people can follow you on Twitter because I know that every once in a while you'll, you know, you talk about a whole bunch of things, but you'll mention a specific episode and talk about you were in Hoboken, New Jersey, not too long ago, home yes. of Frank Sinatra. Yes, yes. Actually, I went to the I went to the bread shop that Frank Sinatra um, grew up in. Oh really? Yeah, that he he I think it was he born there or he worked there or something. Yes, there there's a famous bakery there. Is it like a shrine yeah. to him? Do they have all this stuff there, there? there? It's a it's a it's a sort of shrine. Yeah, there are pictures up on the on the walls. Um and it, so it was really interesting. They're very proud of it. It's a big Italian American community there yeah. as well as an Irish um, American community. And uh, so fascinating for me. It it's like it, it's like us on the set of um, Moonstruck. Do you know that film of <laughs> Cher? Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. Walking well, around Hoboken is how's, like you're in Moonstruck. How was the food at his bakery? I mean, was it good? Yeah, that oh. delicious. And then, of course, during our lunch break, we try a lot of restaurants around there, and you know, come, it's, it's fantastic. You've got pretty much authentic Italian. In uh, in New York City, it's such a food town. Have you found some great restaurants, some great finds, local places? I love I love the fact that I can just literally walk out of my door and I can eat whatever cuisine I want. Uh, there's Thai, there's um, Japanese, French, Spanish, you name it. So every single day I can pick something different. And of course, when you're, I mean, I have a kitchen in my, in my apartment, but I don't cook. What's the point? Nobody cooks in New York City because right you've got all time. this food. Yeah. Or you get, or you get takeout. 
Right. Well, um, it, what makes me laugh is that you're like tiny, tiny, tiny. You're like a fraction. You're like my left thigh size. And I just think I gained five weight, five pounds listening to you <laughs> yes. talk about food. Well, you know, it's because, um, it's because I, I guess I run after dogs and after children right. all day long. <laughs> and, um, you know, I do eat. I do have a good appetite. So that's, it's just the, the way I am. I didn't used to be like this in university. I was very, very overweight. No, um, you were not. I, was, I cannot picture I that. Was, I was extremely overweight. And, um, but then when I left university and I started walking dogs, really walking dogs mm -hmm. helped get that weight off. And from then on, because I think I, I lost it very slowly and I mm -hmm. did it the right way just through exercise, not even dieting, but improved exercise and walking those dogs every day. I lost the weight and it hasn't gone on since. That's amazing to me. All right, mm -hmm. I know I have to walk my dogs more. I'll That's be like, come it. on, Barnsley, we can do another 10 miles this morning. And uh, the cool thing is, I know you're back here because Alex, your daughter, is starting school. But before uh, she started school, Van and Alex, your husband and daughter, came to visit in New York City. Did. did you have a great trip? And it was your birthday? Yeah, it was my birthday. I'm not going to tell you what. Well, everybody knows how old I am. Yeah, but it was my birthday. And my, my daughter. She's 26. Yeah, she's 26. Yeah. I wish. Um, and it was lovely. I we, we did some fantastic things. The most, um, the great thing we went to see was Phantom of the Opera, which oh. I love. Um, but we also took my daughter to see The Lion King. Now a friend of mine is playing Timon, the meerkat in mm -hmm. The Lion King. So oh. after we saw it, we went backstage oh and gosh. we saw all the costumes. <laughs> and my daughter's eyes—they were completely there. They were wide. She was just—it it, was—it was amazing for her to see how. It would basically, to be on a Broadway stage mm -hmm. was incredible. How, for how old is Alex? She's no. six. Wow. Yeah. So do you think she's gotten bitten by the theater bug? Because both you and Van were in the theater. That's how you met. We've learned that in yeah. another episode. I don't know. She sings. She dances. She she loves all that. But I, I don't know. Time will tell. That's great. I love it. Now she's starting school. She's starting first grade. She's starting first grade. So she's no longer the little in school anymore. She is, she's a big girl and she's very excited. She goes to a great school. She has um, a lot of fantastic friends. So we're very excited for her. So first day of school, did you cry? Was it hard for you? No, not at all. Really? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's so happy and so excited. Aww. You know, summer's a long time. So mm -hmm. kids are dying to get back to school, most of them, at the end of the summer and to see all their friends again. So she was, no, she was raring to go. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. So also want to talk about the um, American Veterinary Medical Association Conference. Yeah. Now, that's, I mean, it's amazing to me that... I know that I've had animals, one of my dogs in the past had seizures, you know, another animal had, you know, went blind and there are so many specialists and I guess we spend over a billion dollars a year on our pets. So it's a pretty serious industry. Yeah, I, I don't think I was, I suppose, I don't think I was aware of how big the industry was, mm -hmm. just even the, the, the veterinary side until I went to this conference. It was vast. It was huge. And yes, so many, um, so many specialties, so many talks and seminars mm -hmm. on things that I can't even pronounce, wow. you know, um, on diseases and fascinating and meeting fascinating people who are at the forefront of medical research for pets. So uh, who else was there? Were there other groups there besides these doctors? Yeah, there was the um, the AVSAB, which is the American Veterinary Society of Animal Behaviorists. Oh. Um, and 
there were also the American Humane. I mean, I think everybody who who is um, into animal welfare mm-hmm. was there. We had the APDT, which is the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, and I was on their their booth for a while telling veterinarians about how important it is to have a relationship with trainers in the area because veterinarians are so busy doing what they do Mm -hmm. there's no time for them to be able to concentrate on behavior in animals so they have to have somebody to refer to now there are veterinary behaviorists they're different from trainers but um there aren't a lot of veterinary behaviorists around as yet i mean it's 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 growing so, you know, who do you send the dog with a behavioral problem to? Do you send it to, um, do you get advice from your veterinarian or do you send it to a trainer? So I think it's really important that veterinarians get good relationships with trainers in their area so that they can send these behavioral problems out without having to deal with it themselves. Because veterinarians don't get a lot of time, they don't get right. a lot of education about animal behavior. What, what is a veterinary, vet, veterinary behaviorist versus a trainer? So, for instance, I had a dog who would lick raw one of her paws. And, you know, I, my vet said, I think it's a sign of anxiety, but he would try to treat it with medication or wrap it up, and she just wasn't, she would still get right through that, through that bandage. Would that be a behaviorist versus a trainer? It would be, it would be, you, know, you see, this is where the, the, the kind of the line gets muddy. Mm-hmm. Veterinary behaviorists are medically trained. They're veterinarians, but they deal with the medical and the behavioral side. They, they focus more on behavior. Okay, so they've gone through their medical training, but then they specialize in behavior. Okay. So, um, whereas veterinarians just specialize in the medical side. Trainers, trainers historically are those who treat, teach obedience training. Mm-hmm. Your doctor sits, stay, come to you. But when there's a behavior problem, it's normally the behaviorist that takes over. But nowadays, trainers deal in behavior. Mm-hmm. So the behaviorists don't like it that the trainers are dealing with behavior. The trainers think, well, no, we didn't go, we didn't get a degree, but we, we, we are well-versed in behavior. We're well-versed in teaching and training about it. So it, it almost sounds like, to me, a behaviorist would be more of like a psychiatrist where they're, they've got the MD, they can prescribe medications, but they're not dealing with a specific disease. They might be dealing with you know, more of a, of an emotional issue or something along yeah. those lines, where a behaviorist, if your dog has anxiety, a trainer could help them with behavior, but also a doctor could prescribe, or a behaviorist rather could just prescribe a Valium or something Absolutely. to help them. Absolutely, and a trainer, yeah, abs- that, that, that's exactly right. A trainer is not supposed to be prescribing medication at all. Some of them do, and and I think that that obviously angers the beha- the veterinary mm-hmm. behaviorists because they shouldn't be doing it. I can't prescribe. Um, if That's why I have a good relationship with the veterinarians around me because I rely on them if, which is very unlikely, but if I believe that a dog needs to have medication, then, then I will refer them to my veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, but, but then again, I've had, I remember one, problem that I had, one problem dog that I had when I was in New Jersey was had actually bitten somebody as that mm. a, a runner as the runner was running past the dog and its owner um, and the dog never had, had any kind of history of bites at all, whatever um, it was seen by a veterinary behaviorist because the, the, the people were being sued oh and boy. the veterinary behaviorist thought that the dog should be put down well actually um, 
what the veterinary behaviorist hadn't asked, and this is the reason why they brought me in, was you know, that the dog was on prednisone, and prednisone for allergies. And prednisone literally changed the way this dog was behaving. It's a steroid. It's an absolute, yeah, and it can, it can affect mood. Take the dog off the prednisone, the dog went right back to how, how it used to be. Wow. So, you know, I think we've all still got a lot to learn. I think, um, and the the main reason why I went to the AVMA was to get veterinarians and veterinary behaviorists to work alongside with trainers because I think if we all can get together, there's more power in numbers mm-hmm. than everyone doing their own separate thing. Well, then once you've solved all that, could you figure out how to get a behaviorist from my husband, Sean? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's, That's beyond me. That is beyond me. <laughs> That's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, that sounds interesting. A worldwide survey found at least 70% of people always sign their dog's name on a greeting card, along with the rest of the family names. You're back with Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer. And by the way, if you want to follow uh, Victoria on Facebook, it's just Victoria Stillwell. Look her up because she's updating all the time what's going on with shooting season three of It's Near the Dog in New York and just all kinds of fun stuff. Birthday, celebrations, Alex's first day of school, uh, all kinds of neat stuff. And uh, if you have any questions for Victoria, we also answer them here on the podcast. It's podcast at positively.com. Uh, email us any questions you have. And one of the big problems I had and a question I had for you a while back was uh, dogs versus cats. Um, when I was on season two of It's Me or the Dog, one of the issues with Cashmere, our lovely pit bull mix, was that she loved the cat. But so much so that the cat was scared to death of her, and she just wanted to play. She didn't want to hurt the cat. But it's always a, a battle, especially since Cashmere's 70 pounds and the cat's about 10 pounds. So what do you do? I mean, I, I know in general dogs versus cats is a tough topic. I mean, there's even a movie out now. Yeah, which I saw. Oh, how yeah, was it? Yeah, I saw it with my daughter. It was really fun. Did she like it? Yeah, she did. She so did. what? I, I, even, I, I saw the previews of it. What's the premise? I mean, it's just that whole age-old dogs versus cats? It was dog vers- dogs versus cats, um, the revenge of Kitty Galore. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kitty Galore is a demon cat that wants to basically take over the world. And, oh. yeah, and um, she threatens to uh, download this sound that she'll be able to beam up to satellite and that will go all around the world and the sound is the call of the wild. The call of the wild, which is going to sound to all dogs and send them absolutely crazy. So cats will then be able to take over the world. Yeah. Wow, very yeah. very highbrow, very high Very tech. highbrow and it's it was really fun. It was fun. Alex enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, when you see and dogs working together with cats. I'll have to nice. check it out. But I remember, okay, so a year before we actually did the episode, I met you. You came on a show I was doing at the time, a talk show on NBC. And I had just mentioned to you, we had this new dog and I knew that you trained animals and I was at my wits end and you had a genius idea of a baby gate. The baby gate, I think it's really important when you've got multi-animal household, mm-hmm or cross-species household, you have to give the animals a safe haven, a place where they can go and they can feel safe. And so the baby gate idea was literally so that George, Mm -hmm. the cat, would be able to have a place where he could get away from Kashmir and feel safe. And so by putting up a baby gate, they could see each other too, because I didn't want them to not be comfortable knowing this other being is in the house. And it was an, an amazing idea. But... 
the only problem we had then after that was that George, when he would come out, Cashmere just wanted to play. And so that's when you taught Leave It, mm -hmm. which is a pretty powerful two-word statement. Is that generally how you would recommend people to sort of get these dogs and cats to coexist? I think with Kashmir's, um, in Kashmir's case, it, it was just teaching her a little bit of impulse control. Mm -hmm. It was telling her to ease back, you know. Um, and cats, when they play with dogs and vice versa, play needs to be appropriate because of the size different, mm -hmm. size difference. And also George was scared of her. So first of all, we needed Kashmir to almost be able to self-inhibit, mm -hmm. inhibit her behavior. Um, and then when she took a step back, George, that's what I was hoping, George would would be a bit more comfortable with her, mm -hmm. which now obviously is the case. It's amazing. And I, I think we're going to be able to put the pictures up online. So yes. last week I text messaged Victoria with these photos. Unbelievable. George and Kashmir, who were arch enemies, who could not be in a room together without there being some fisticuffs, are now playing to the fact, to the point where the cat is actually on his back exposing his belly, which as we know is very vulnerable, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. playing with Kashmir. And then at one point rested his head on her paw and slept. Amazing. Amazing. That, I love it. And you know, it, it reminds me, um, I, I read this magazine article in quite a well-known dog magazine of a so-called trainer who was saying that the only way you can get dogs and cats to coexist is to use punishment. <gasps> is to and and that you can't use i think one of his lines was you can't use treats or positive reinforcement when it comes to getting dogs to work to to live successfully with cats uh, and i just think you know wonderful cashmere and george i've i've proven this man wrong by yeah. what he said because you can in fact you know you you've got to see these You've got to encourage the dogs and cats to see each other as friends. Mm -hmm. If you punish them all the time in each other's presence, well, you're just sending the wrong signal, the wrong message. So I think George and Kashmir is a wonderful um, example of how right. positive reinforcement works. And definitely we'll put those pictures online so you can see what I mean. But now, Kashmir just wanted to play with George. And, you know, she was never going to hurt George. She was just more curious. If, as a matter of fact, George hurt Kashmir more because George has claws and would accidentally scrape her and one time caught her eye. And yes. it was a vet visit. But now there are some dogs that have that chase slash kill impulse with a cat where it is a dangerous situation. Yeah. It's not just I want to play with you. It's I want to eat you. Yeah. And in that situation, what would you do? Well, uh, I do exactly the same as I as I did with George and with um, Kashmir because and I've had I've had a Jack Russell as well mm. and the Jack Russell's been on the show in the shelter episode that we did with Paul's Atlanta where um, the the woman so wanted to adopt this Jack Russell but but couldn't because of her two cats mm -hmm. because she took the Jack Russell home and then of course what did the Jack mm -hmm. Russell do? Chase the cats so we worked with her we worked with with her dog and the cats and now they're all living peacefully together it's amazing yeah. it absolutely works yeah but you you should never i would imagine leave them until you're completely comfortable because even to this day yeah. i know that they're getting along and it's just recently gotten to the point where they're really buddy buddy but in the back of my mind i'm always concerned something can go wrong because they are animals and they do have impulses. Yeah, I think you do. And I, 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 I don't think you ever put them in a situation where the other, where the other might feel um, uncomfortable or insecure. 
yeah because when you're going against chase drive or prey instinct you know some some animals you can't some animals literally some dogs literally want to kill cats mm -hmm. and so then obviously you're going to put that dog in a no cat household um but yeah i think even if there even is a problem you still monitor and and that's training is all about training and then management as well mm -hmm. Consistency. Well, I still have the baby gate up just in case. Good, good, good. <laughs> Keeps all kinds of creatures out. Anyway, um, good to know. Dogs versus cats in the movie sounds great yeah, as well. Yeah, I would go see it. I would go see it. I mean, obviously, it's for children, so but take your kids to see it. Fantastic. And uh, by the way, if you want to see more about the Jack Russell and all the episodes of It's Me or the Dog and anything that Victoria's working on, which she's filming season three in New York right now, you can follow them on Twitter. Um, and the uh, the catchphrase, I guess, I don't even know what you call that in the top. You just go to It's Me or the Dog, do a search for that, and then you'll come up. We'll find you. Yes. I'd like to know what I'm dealing with here. You don't want to know. I'm very confused. I just don't know. All right, you're hanging with us here, victoriastillwellspositively.com slash podcasts. I'm Holly Furfer talking all about dogs. And I'll tell you what's kind of cool is even though I feel kind of dumb, I learned so much with these quizzes. And I didn't realize there was so much to know, like details and facts. But uh, let's do it. Let's learn some more stuff. All right. Well, I wanted to do more of a sort of a rescue quiz. I love it. About rescue. Um, I've only got three questions, but I... But they're tough ones? They're, well... <laughs> You know, I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll test okay. you. All right. Um, it's about rescue, but it's also about how... Well, I'll start with the first one. Okay. How many dogs in the United States of America? Holy smokes. And I'll give, I'll give it to the nearest five million. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... 75 million dogs. God, you are you are spot on. Really? Approximately. That was a yes. complete guess. Approximately 75 million dogs here I in the United States of America. I almost said 500 million. No. <laughs> I thought maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's a little excessive, wouldn't that be? But that's a lot of dogs. It is a lot of dogs. Yep. Wow, 75 yep. million. Now, does that mm -hmm. include, like, is that just pets or pets and rescues or in shelters? Pets. I mean, pets. pets. No wonder we spent Pet so dogs. much money on them. Yep. Wow. Yep. So uh, my next question was, how many dogs and cats, how many dogs and cats enter American shelters every year? Ooh, I'm going to say two million. It's actually, unfortunately, you're wrong because it's about eight million. Wow. It's about eight, eight million dogs and cats enter U.S. shelters every year. And it's approximation because, you know, they don't, they don't have the right. exact figure. Oh my gosh, but, 8 million. Yeah, that's what you're looking at. Out of that 8 million, how many potentially are euthanized? Ugh, I wish I could say none, but um, I'm going to say a million. Around half, around 4 million. 4 million. Mm -hmm. That's so sad. And a lot of these dogs are perfectly placeable dogs, great Absolutely. pets. They just don't have the resources. Absolutely. And the reason why I wanted to ask these questions is because I've just done an episode which will be airing uh, of a young guy who owns a very powerful breed of dog, a Presa Canario. And he... Never heard of that dog. It's, it's, it was bred in the Canary Islands for mm -hmm. fighting. Um, it's a big, powerful dog. And What does it look like? Does it look like a pit bull? Or it looks it... like a cross between an American bulldog and a pit bull and a mastiff. Wow. Put those all put those together. It's huge. It's it's um, and there are a couple of breeders here in the United States that breed them, 
and obviously they don't mind where they send their puppies because wow. it ends up in the arms of and hands of an 18 year old boy but oh boy. Um, one of the things he wanted to do was to breed um, his dog and again you know as I've done on a previous in a previous episode mm-hmm. I've taken people who want to breed their dogs especially if they've got bully breeds and taken them to a shelter so we went to the shelter in New York City mm-hmm. the um, one of the main municipal shelters up in Harlem where a third of the dogs that they have there are bully breeds Mm -hmm. and a lot of those are put down and that's the shelter that I used to go and pull dogs and cats from when I worked with the rescue groups in New York City 10 years ago so it was interesting to go back there have been a lot of improvements and there are less animals being euthanized but still you know most of those dogs that we went around that shelter and saw were going to be put down because there's not enough space there's not enough space for these dogs there's not enough homes for these dogs to go to and first of all spaying and neutering helps i mean that's going to be the ultimate answer is to keep them from breeding because it's not like us where you have one baby maybe twins but they have multiple yes they can they, they they do and it's such it's such a tragedy but because a lot of people you know they make money in the puppy mills obviously they don't help but people make money or they believe they're going to make money out of breeding or it's cool to breed your mm-hmm. your Presa Canario and to, to improve its, to, to, to carry on its line. Um, people don't know what they're doing, where right. those puppies are going to end up, most likely in a rescue shelter and being put down. And that's reality. It's not being dramatic. It's the reality. And I don't think unless people actually gone to a shelter or witnessed euthanasias, um, senseless killing of these uh, of these dogs which has to be done because there's no place for them to go. Unless you see that and you witness that, Mm -hmm. you have no idea. I think that it would be a great idea if in the school systems they did, you know how they do field trips and they take you to this museum and that museum, but it would be wonderful if they would take them to a shelter and show them so that these kids don't grow up and decide, hey, I'm going to get one of these bully breeds or any dog, I'm going to breed a dog Mm -hmm. or buy a dog that I can rescue one. I think that has to be the worst job in the world, the person that has to euthanize unwanted dogs yeah i met the guy who had to euthanize how do they get through um, the day i mean that just seems like you would have a lot of issues well what the the last shelter that we went to here in atlanta um it was 11 o'clock in the morning and they'd already done 26 euthanasias <gasps> oh gosh 26 hey, euthanasias do and i don't know if you would know the answer to this but uh, or, and if you don't maybe someone can email us at positively uh i'm sorry at podcast at positively.com and answer to this question but in shelters, you see a lot of these bully breeds, pit bulls, for instance. And I, I have a pit bull mix, and she was in a shelter. She was in a, in a, in a, in a humane society, and she was scheduled to be put down the next morning. And one of uh, a woman, Karen Brinker, who had a wonderful rescue, went and got her for me the night before. And uh, wondering if they put these breeds down first, if they don't have a chance. Because I'm uh, in a network of rescue organizations, and just two days ago they said, help uh it's you know one of the county shelters it's an emergency they found a mama pit bull she had just had babies she had five babies i think that were just days old and she was going to be put down but they had to put the babies down because they couldn't live without the mother and i thought why she's still nursing these dogs but i think because she was a pit a purebred pit no the pits are going to be the first ones to be put down because they are also the most difficult to rehome 
They are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because because of the, the bad media that they get, the bad rap that they get, um, people aren't adopting them. So they have nowhere to go. So they are. They are the first to be put down. I'll be the first to tell you that I think pit bulls are one of the sweetest breeds of dogs ever. Aren't they called the nanny dogs? Yeah, I think they I are. learned that from they our are. episode. They are. Of It's Mere the Dog. Yeah, they are known as the nanny dog. And um, they, they're very, very good with people. But everything's a generalization, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't think you should generalize. There are some, some um, genetic traits that are passed down because mm-hmm. of bad breeding and because of people. Mm-hmm. And um, so pits can be dog aggressive. And um, they're an incredibly impulsive breed as well. So mm-hmm. you have to have a responsible owner. And if you don't have a responsible owner, if you have a, a, an owner that's going to promote aggression in their breed, then, you know, that's the breed's downfall. It's, it's not the dog's fault. It is the owner's fault. I'd like to know what I'm dealing with here. You don't want to know. I'm very confused. I don't know. Did you know that dogs have a third eyelid? It's called the haw, and it's designed to help protect the eye from dirt and dust. You're back with Victoria Stillwell's Positively.com podcast. I'm Holly Furfer, and as we know, Victoria's back from New York City uh, on a quick trip here to Atlanta because her daughter Alex started school, but you have been in the Big Apple, and a lot of shows are filmed there, and you've been uh, making the rounds on some of the shows, and I loved uh, the Regis and Kelly, Live with Regis and Kelly episode. How was that? That was really fun to do, Um, and it was great as well because my husband was there, and and my um, in-laws were there, and my daughter, they were all in the audience. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, you see Regis and Kelly on television all the time, mm-hmm. and and I love that, and I love watching their show. So it was great to be, to to great to be part of it, and to be asked to be part of it. And now you were doing dog training. Yeah, which is you know, how do you train dogs in three minutes? You can't. Uh, you can't. <laughs> so it, just explaining a few points of the more I suppose irritating behaviors: dogs jumping up, mm-hmm. uh, talking a little bit about aggression, talking a little bit about toilet training. And uh, Regis was kind of funny. What's he like in real life? I mean, I love him, but he just seems he's out there. He is out there. But, <laughs> you know, you, you go you do, you do go on his shows doing these segments, and you know that you know, it's not going to be serious. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a laugh. It's a time for when animals come on, it's a time for people to laugh and have fun. Yeah. And so my job is to get out as much information as possible because that's what the producers ask me to do, to drive the whole scene because that's also what the producers say that I should do as well. Mm-hmm. Because Regis, um, especially Regis, can he can go off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you got to keep him in line. Mm-hmm. And very, very nice man. Uh, Kelly as well is a sweetheart. Yes. My daughter met Kelly afterwards as well, and she was, she said, oh, she's so beautiful. Oh. And she is. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. She also got a beautiful heart. Um, and so it was great. It was fun. I like doing these morning shows. You know, you get, you, 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 today's show is my favorite, I have to say. Um, today's show on NBC and so I did that as well yeah you did so talk talk about that one well that was much more of a sit down interview Mm -hmm. about body language and about how maybe we misread our dog's body language Mm. and um, or what we can tell what our dog is communicating through their body language so that that was great Um, and the difficult thing is when you've got dogs on set Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen right because we use some rescue dogs, but you don't know what those dogs are going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes it's nice to do the sit-down interviews where there are no dogs, where right. you're not having to think, oh my gosh, is the dog going to pee or bite the host or do something <laughs> right. that's going to be really embarrassing on live TV. Right. I love it. And um, what was it like? I mean, you know, these morning shows in New York, like the Today Show and Regis and Kelly, I mean, is it 
Is it very serious? Is it, you know, all business? Is it a huge production? It is. You you know what? It's 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 laid back mm -hmm. until it gets to the point where it's going live. And then everyone's right. running around going crazy. Um, and there are producers that are responsible for different segments. For the Today Show, you've got producers that are uh, responsible for from the 8 to 9 o'clock hour mm -hmm. or the 7 to 8 o'clock hour. Um, and those producers have got to come up with stories. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they'll call me um, and uh, if they want to do a pet segment. So, yeah, they're laid back, but when it goes live, that's it. It's all business. And it's amazing how it functions. Well, you know, I just have to tell you that um, nobody cared that Will Ferrell was on Regis and Kelly. Everybody was saying, <laughs> Victoria's on Regis and Kelly. Yes. Like, Will who? I loved it. Now, I should have got top billing, shouldn't I? I think you did in our mind. Have you ever seen this before? No. I mean, yes, I've seen it before, but it's not mine. Now it's the time to end Victoria Stillwell's Positively.com slash podcasts with our YouTube video clip. And I love it because there's so many great dog and cat and animal clips online. But this one's amazing to me. It shows that dogs get along with all creatures. They're um, polar bears playing with huskies. Who would have thought? Amazing. It looks like Alaska or somewhere in the Arctic and it's sled dogs playing with polar bears in the wild. These are not trained animals. No. These look like they were just hanging out. They're just hanging out. They're curious. And they come up to these huskies and then they start playing. Which is amazing. So we're going to uh, have the link on here on uh, this page on this episode so you can actually see it for yourself and I know that on YouTube there's the dog and the orangutan and the dog and the elephant there's a lot of those which is really kind of a neat testament to dogs and what wonderful wonderful creatures they are yeah and you know going back to Kashmir and George that there can be great interspecies relationships um, you know when you do have different kinds of animals in your home and I'm going to be talking in the next podcast about a pig that right. lives with dogs that these animals can get along um and when you see it in the wild though that does that blows your mind two predators essentially mm -hmm. playing this is beautiful it is beautiful it is beautiful well have a good trip back to new york uh where you're continuing you. to film it's me or the dog and until the next episode of our podcast we'll see you again and if you want to follow victoria go to her facebook page it's victoria stillwell and she updates constantly of the filming the shooting and all the shows you're on like regis and the today show and you can also follow it's me or the dog on twitter so until the next time have a great trip back and we'll see you soon thank you see ya Thank you for listening to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Check out more information about this podcast by visiting Positively.com slash podcasts. The theme song for the Positively Podcast, Addicted to the Phone by Elio Pace, is available on iTunes or at EliOPace.com. <laughs>